Welcome back to another episode of BombCast. I'm your host, Grant Morgan, and today we're, we would like to give a warm welcome to our guest, Jesse Kyler. Jesse, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. I'm an entrepreneur that lives in St. Louis, Missouri, father of three, and I have spent most of my adult life working either for a dot-com technology startup or being a business owner and owning various franchises all over the country. That's really excited. I've gone ahead and done a little research prior to our interview, and it has made me so much more excited to speak with you. Once again, thank you for your appearance on BombCast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Given our insight on your tech beginnings throughout the dot-com era, ventures in the franchise world, honors and recognitions in the franchise industry, and current endeavors and vision for the future, I've gone ahead and crafted some questions in addition to those you've provided. What have you discovered and what valuable sources of knowledge and education have you used for your entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, you know, so it's been an 18, almost 20 year journey for me going down this process. And I could tell you that, and this is the lessons I try to teach my children. The quality of your relationships have a a direct response to the quality of your total life. So as I've gotten older, I've learned to have better and deeper and more meaningful relationships with more people. And that has made being an entrepreneur just absolutely amazing. And for so many reasons, one, I'm, I'm given opportunities to be investors in different concepts and brands because people trust me and have good relationships with me. I'm also to have able to have just the largest bench of quality, good friends that I can I can trust my kids with, I can go on vacations with, I can go to sporting events with, I could do all these different things with because I have learned how to invest correctly into a relationship. Yeah, I feel that's really important. Me and my partner, he's sadly not here right now, but we're both in high school. We're trying to get this started early and the high school environment's a place of discourse and community. So there's a lot of individuals of different personalities, et cetera. So we really try to surround ourselves with people who are build us up and people who we can work with as well and similar to like a lot of the interviews we've done a lot of people have said that the most important thing is to have a good team because if you if you don't have a good team you don't really have anybody yeah absolutely absolutely collaboration is always the best and fastest way you know i i heard this quote a couple weeks ago and it just kind of stuck in my mind but if you want to do something fast you got to do it by yourself if you want to do something and go far with it you got to do it with other people Wow, that's a really good quote. That's a really good quote. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a bit about your franchise journey? Yeah. So while I was working for the dot-com company, I realized that as much as I enjoyed it, and honestly, the three owners of the company, they really almost completely gave me carte blanche on what I wanted to do to be successful and, and grow the brand and the business. And I I really cut my teeth on entrepreneurial ideas working with them. And I wanted to be an owner of what I was creating. And that just wasn't going to be an option at that company. And that's fine. I understood why. But nonetheless, this this was my calling to be my own boss. So I went out and I was looking at buying a local pizzeria. Uh, I was living in the same town I went to college in. I've got a brother i've only got one brother he's a little bit younger than me and we both went to the same college and we're business partners now and uh, as soon as he graduated college we were going to buy a little local pizzeria 
And I'm so glad we didn't because one of the one of the founders of the technology company I, I worked with took me aside and said, you know, you shouldn't do that. If you want to get into the restaurant business, you should buy a franchise. And I was like, well, what's a franchise? And he's like, it's a, a situation where other people will be able to guide you and train you on how to run a business much better than if you would get in there and try to figure it out yourself. And I could tell you that that one piece of advice is why I don't own just one pizzeria. I, I owned many pizzerias and other concepts because the way franchising is set up, if you're willing to learn, they're going to teach you everything either from the franchisor or the fellow franchisees that are already successful in the same concept, doing the exact same thing. I, I've learned that successful people are always willing to serve others who are interested in learning. And that's no different in the franchise community. So you've got a lot of successful people. And when you call them up, as long as you're not taking, 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 and then you're trying to give to, that kind of goes back to the relationship thing where you need to invest in it. And I always say this too, to like employees, I said, you know, relationships are like bank accounts. If you only come to it when you need to make a withdrawal, you're, you've got a zero balance or you're overdrafted and it can't do anything for you. What's yeah. important, what's important is that you're making daily deposits into that relationship account. So that way, when you do have a hard time or you got a big expense, you can pull the, all the money you need out of it because you've invested in that account. When the, the, when it wasn't rainy and it was sunny, you were still putting money away into that account. So, you know, franchising is like that. It's, it's what you put into is what you get out. So you'll get so many people willing to give you advice and spend time with you as long as you're willing to, to do the same for them and share with them ideas and concepts and, and contribute. You know, you have to be a giver. You can't be a taker. No, I totally agree. It truly does have to be a mutual relationship. Both sides have to be contributing. It can't just be one person trying to take everything. While someone is taking out of their time trying to help you, you have to be willing to accept and have the mindset that you can help them and it just has to be mutual, like you said. And so you had also told us that you are a franchise owner for sports clips and OxyFresh carpet cleaning. Yep. And you have received o owner of the year for these two. What yes. do you attribute these honors to? And can you share some key strategies or initiatives that led to your success in these specific franchises? You know, to, to get an award like that is a huge honor. It almost always comes from you basically being the brand bearer, okay, or the standard of the brand. And what that means is, you know, you're treating your employees the way that the founder or the, the organization thinks employees should be treated, which is almost always like, you know, considering them assets and not liabilities for sure. And then obviously not everyone could be owner of the year every year. So it's got to be someone that's doing something above and beyond what the, the network is doing. So typically that's either in like store development or store growth or customer clout growth or just anything like that, that sets you apart. So in, in my situations, I was having the largest grand openings for sport clips back to back to back. I had really dialed in on how to open these locations up and with the OxyFresh, we just figured out how we could staff a lot of employees so we could actually clean a lot of carpet. And that's kind of the tough thing in both those industries is it's a one-to-one -one ratio, meaning you've got to have an employee for every customer. And in the food business, you're going to have one employee and they could feed three or five customers at the same time, the way that everything's set up and staged. 
So in these one-to-one ratio businesses, the more staff you have, the more money you can have or make in, in revenue because you're there to collect it because you have the ability to give the service that they're wanting. When you're short staffed or just not staffed as well as you could be, it really hampers your ability to, to grow your sales. So in, in both those concepts, we have figured out how do we recruit and retain the best and the most employees. I, I totally agree with that. That really relates back to what you said about the, the team. Everybody brings different skills and attributes to the table when you're forming a team. And it's really important to utilize all those attributes because if you can't, you try to say, hey, like I want you doing this and maybe they might not be good at that. Of course, they can learn that position, but it's really important to utilize everybody and their personalities, their characteristics and attributes into a team that is functioning because one of the most important things I have heard is that if you don't have a functioning team, you don't have a team at all. And so it's really important. Yeah, absolutely. So what deeply motivates and drives your passions and interests specifically as an entrepreneur? Yeah, I, I, ever since I was a little kid, I loved to build things. You know, I mean, I would spend hours in front of MTV at the age of seven and eight and nine. That's back when they actually played music videos. And I'd play Legos by myself for hours, just building different buildings, different cars, different spaceships. I just really enjoyed building things. And as I got older, I enjoyed building organizations and businesses. It's the same concept. You've got to have a great foundation. And you have to go back and you've got to maintain that foundation too. You can't just build it and forget it. You got to go back and give it some TLC and make sure that the foundation is as strong as ever was so you can keep growing on top of it. Yeah, I think we're really similar in that, you know, ever since a kid as well, I I loved Legos. I'd be playing with them all morning, you know, and then going as I got older, going into high school, I've done many clubs. Like I was president of stock club president of finance, president of business development, co-president of a few like smaller ones, just for fun. And, you know, it's really that feeling of like building something. There's something about it. It must like release like some hormones in the brain for me. It just make me happy because now, like even for this, this company, this was just an idea that me and my business partner, we started together. He's just, he's like a brother to me. And we really wanted to do something that would get our name out there for for college. Like we really wanted something to our name, something that we can say is ours. So we just don't seem like two random guys going into the real world. Like we really wanted to be able to speak with high class individuals, high class individuals like yourself who have really done something special in the entrepreneurial world. And it's really important. We really utilize these conversations that we have with people like you because they really help us narrow down our career path and kind of help us with our way navigating how we're going to go into being a grown up, you know? And so this is our like second real month of like inter- interviews and stuff like that. It took a while to get the website up, but it's a really special thing once you have something built and looking back on the trials and tribulations you went through on that. Nice. Yeah, it's really, it's just really special. And so what are some effective strategies and principles for leading and influencing others and how have you implemented these into your life? Okay. So, uh, you know, I have, 
what I call the four responsibilities of a leader in my organization. And they are in order of importance. And it goes like this. The first one is a leader must protect the gratitude. So gratitude is your culture. The leader must make sure that the culture is thriving, is positive, upbeat. That That is the single one thing that will determine success of a team or cohesiveness of a team. The second thing, once you have a cohesive team, the second one is a leader must protect the vision. Okay, so the vision in business terms is like the mission statement. So whatever your company's mission statement is or your organization's mission statement is, you must protect that because what happens is you can get what we call mission creep where you're no longer focused on what you originally came together to do and other things have uh, somehow or another taken priority and got you guys diffused to the point where you're no longer effective. So that's number two. Number two, again, was protect the vision. The next two are are important too, and they go like this. The number three is constantly challenge the status quo. So what that really means is we're not going to set goals. We're going to set milestones because unfortunately, when we hit goals, we tend psychologically, we say we've done it and then we give up on it. It's kind of like when you're trying to lose weight and you have a weight goal, as soon as you hit it, you stop, you stop doing some of the things because you hit it. Milestones are just, hey, we're going to stop. We're going to celebrate this point in our journey, but our journey continues. So for me, going back to like number two, the vision, the vision shouldn't have an end date. The vision should have an idea or a feeling to it. For like sport clips, as an example, it's to create a championship haircut experience for both men and boys in an exciting sports themed environment. There's no numbers, there's no dates, there's no anything in that mission statement. It's a construct that it, we're going to be creating an excellent uh, experience. And so excellent will mature and change as we get better at our job, right? So uh, that's an example of that. Number four in my responsibilities of a leader are is to constantly develop leaders around you. So when I have a store that has a manager doing those four things, amazing things come out of that store. When I've got a manager not doing all four of those, but they're doing two or three of them, they have moderate success, if any. So those four things are all crucial to have a really successful team in a company. Thank you, yeah, very well said. And so I've seen that you've done really well with many different franchises, including like your pizza, the sports clips, just everything in general. Like, it seems like you've had, done a really good job. And so as the conference chair for the 2024 multi-unit franchise conference, what do you hope to achieve and how do you plan to shape and inspire the next generation of franchise entrepreneurs, specifically well, our directed audience? Yeah, so, you know, what the conference is a, an amazing conference year after year. And so as a chair, I don't really have any concerns about the quality of the content or the networking abilities. My goal is to get as many first time attendees to come to this so they can experience it. So this is great for anyone that is interested in getting the franchising um, and having more than one location. When you have one location or something, you basically, in, in my uh, humble opinion, you bought yourself a job and you haven't given yourself a lot of freedom. 
you get a lot more freedom when you have multiple locations and you've learned to delegate some of your responsibilities and leadership to other people so they can run the business so you can have more freedom yourself. And uh, Grant, I would say that I've got three books I totally would recommend to your listeners. And I'm going to give them to you in the order I would recommend reading them too. The first one is by two of them are from an author called Robert Kiyosakis. And he's famous for his Rich Dad, Poor Dad book. And that should be the first book anyone interested in being in business or an entrepreneur should read. It's a good book that will change your mindset about how money works. That book is uh, great. I've, I, yeah, I've read that book. And okay. that's definitely a great book to recommend. Okay, so then after you read that, then this book is a little hidden gem that no one knows about, but it's called Outwitting the Devil. And it's from the same author as Think and Grow Rich, but this book wasn't published until 2011. And the reason for that was it was pretty controversial back when it was written, back, back when they wrote, when Napoleon Hill wrote Think and Grow Rich. And this book is all about mindsets, okay? And looking at how life is in all facets, not just business, but religion, education, everything, relationships, your vices, your virtues. It's a really great book that allows you to understand really how the universe works. So then once you have that foundation, I'm going to go back and recommend another book from Robert Kiyosakis. It's actually my favorite of his books. And it was his second book they wrote called Cashflow Quadrant. And that book really lays out what you're going to be doing with your time and energy. Because there's four different ways that you can earn uh, money. And he goes through the pl pluses and the negatives of each four way. And hopefully you'll draw a conclusion that you're better off being on the right side of the quadrant than the left side of the quadrant. But most people live on the left side of this quadrant. And I don't want to spoil the book. So it's really important that you guys read it to understand the four quadrants. But that book allowed me to understand the relationship between time and money. And when you understand that, a lot of times I get questions all the time. Oh my gosh, you have all these franchises. You must work so much. You must be so busy. I'm not that busy. I'm not that busy because I understood the learnings from that book and time and money aren't a direct proportionality to each other. It is actually possible to make a lot of money and not spend a lot of time doing it once you understand and become a master of certain things. But those three books would be the books I would ask all of my children to read. And I've already had my kids read Outwitting the Devil. And the reason I had them read that one first is because there's an amazing audio version of it, like an audible that is probably the best audible book I've ever heard. It's, it's great. It's entertaining. It's captivating. So I knew that uh, when my kids were like eight years old, that they could listen to it. They wouldn't understand all the learnings from it, but they get some of the idea of it. And then they could revisit it again when they got later, but it, the book, the audio book held their uh, attention quite well. That's really important that you do that. And I, I really salute you for yeah. getting your kids on that at such a young age, because that's really important. Well, and here's a here's a little hack for uh, your audience. You can go to YouTube and the audio book is on YouTube for free. So oh, wow. it, it costs you nothing. Just Google Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. You guys heard it here first. I'm going to go ahead and I'm actually going to look into that book as well, because I'm actually really into like various podcasts and various books of teachings that 
will actually very help you. Have you read the 48 Laws of Power? Or... Uh, I have not read that book. Yeah, so that's just like a similar book. I think that is very helpful for when you're starting a business. It's mainly about like how you can obtain power and how, how you can defend yourself from losing power and like certainly how to use power. And just like when I say power and like when power is used in the book, it's just talking about just influence. Yeah, just like your influence, and like leadership, stuff like that, how how you can lead a business, etc. And so I'm really into books that certainly give you insight on how to be an entrepreneur and just stuff like that. So thank you for that. And thank you for recommending these books to our viewers that that means a lot. It's really important that you're giving insight specifically directed to our viewers which is really important to us because our main goal is to get our viewers to obtain a mindset and we believe that's a a building a winning mindset where you want to be a winner and we feel that slowly our generation is slowly becoming less and less entrepreneurial and they kind of just want to oh like let's see where life takes me stuff like that especially being in high school I hear a lot of students around me say that like oh like I don't really know what I'm doing and it's like we really want to help this generation begin to want to do something you know well you know Grant I, I I've got children that are in junior high so they're not much younger than you I, I'm extremely optimistic about your generation and I'm going to tell you this throughout history entrepreneurs have only been about five percent of the population give or take and that that's about the same every generation there's there's a reason for that and it's just it's just kind of how the universe works five percent ish with that being said in your generation if you just have tenacity if you'll just get up after you get knocked down you're gonna be so successful because everyone else is so fragile when they get knocked down they think the world's against them they think they're a victim they think the, the, the system's rigged, and I'm just telling you, grit, G-R-I-T, grit, is all it takes to be successful in this world. And with as many people being so soft-handed these days, those that have grit are just going to be exponentially more successful. So I'm super excited about my kids' generation. I know I'm raising them to have grit, and I'm arming them with the information like those books I was talking about and the mindsets. And it, there's just less competition for those that really want to go get it. It's going to be an amazing, amazing time for your generation, for those that want to get up and get their own. That's really true. I used to always say, how big would you dream if you knew you couldn't fail? It was a quote that I heard. I'm not sure where I remember it from, but I've always thought of that. So I've always kind of dreamt big. And whenever I get knocked down, you know, get right back up. You got to have that courage. You got to have that spirit. And because there are going to be failures. And I don't think that you can have a one-time success. It may be very lucky, but I think that failures are what helps bring um, those wins closer to you. And I think it makes those wins just more more special to you as well. Yeah. So I had I had a very wise person tell me once that if you're not having any failures, that means you're not taking enough chances and you're leaving a lot of opportunity on the table. So, you know, the, the thing about failure is it's not really a failure if you can learn from it and, and be a stronger person after the experience. So I would never be afraid of failing. Yeah. 
that's like perfectly said. And, you know, we're shifting towards the end of our interview because we've covered uh, a large track of what we feel is important for our viewers to learn. And, you know, you've taught me a lot about being a franchise owner and that mindset that you have. And so that about wraps it up for this episode of Bombcast. Thank you for joining in and sharing with us. Um, the best of luck to you in your future. If you are an entrepreneur looking to build a winning mindset, feel free to visit bombcast.com or follow us on any of our socials to learn the secrets of financial freedom and the mindset of a winning entrepreneur. Thank you so much for joining in. It was a pleasure talking with you. Yeah, thanks, Grant. Have a great one. You too. All right, we'll stay bye-bye. in touch.